Have you heard The Message? An original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. All of season one is available now, so listen and find out why a 70-year-old alien recording seems to be killing people. Search for The Message on iTunes. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Jody R.R. Smith, who is the founder of Manor Smith Etiquette Consulting in Boston and the author of the From Clueless to Class Act book series. Hi, Jody. Hello. And we also have Megan Brightwell, who is a professional counselor and the owner of the Parker House Bed and Breakfast, which is a five-star, by the way, bed and breakfast in Anniston, Alabama. Hi, Megan. Hi. Thank you. So today we're talking about inconsiderate guests. As we approach this holiday season, I think so many of us are filled with a mixture of, I can't wait to see everyone in my life who matters to me most. And then as soon as you're with them for X amount of time, you can't wait to part ways with them. <laughs> so I wanted to start by asking both both of you, Jody and Megan, you know, there are epic stories about inconsiderate guests, right? Like you think of movies like Meet the Fockers, which is about a lot more than being a bad guest and setting the house on fire. But, you know, movies are made about this kind of thing. We all groan about this kind of thing. We make podcasts about inconsiderate guests. So it's almost like a, you know, a pop culture trope or something. But when you got when you both think of inconsiderate guest experiences, are there any real-life horror stories you could share today to start us off? I got a phone call once at 11 o'clock at night from a house guest who wasn't supposed to be arriving for another two days, that they had arrived early, and we had to get up out of bed and drive into the, the city train station to pick this person up who clearly had been having a lot of fun skiing and hadn't showered in days. So they showed up early, unexpectedly, in the middle of the night, stinking to high heaven. So we we got them back to the house, put them in the shower while I changed over the guest room to make sure that it was ready for them. At the time, it wasn't so funny, but now, 20 years later, we still joke about it. Wait, how do you, like, accidentally arrive early at the train station by two days? Well, that's what we didn't understand. (laughs) Apparently, there was a stop that was supposed to happen before us that didn't happen. And so instead of figuring out some alternative plans... The person just proceeded with their schedule without consulting us in advance. And I said, why didn't you call us? And he said, because if I called you, I was afraid you'd say no. Oh, that's great. Showing up in the middle of the night was better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now, wait a minute. So how long did this person stay with you? Uh, They ended up staying the full week that we expected them. Just they started out a little bit early. And uh, luckily, they were once they arrived, they were a very good house guest. But to arrive stinky in the middle of the night two days early is not something that most hosts are prepared for. Now, so were you kind of mad the whole time? Or did you get over it? No, not the whole I I wasn't thrilled that night. But by the next morning, it was it was nice to have them around. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good one. Megan, what comes to mind for you? So it's funny that you talk about the guest who shows up early, because when my husband and I talked about who we thought was the most inconsiderate, it was actually the very opposite. It was the guest who never shows up, oh. right? The oh. person who has said, yeah, I'm there, I'm, I'm coming to the party, or I'm coming to do whatever it is I'm going to come do with you. And then at the last minute, they cancel or they never show up. Because that leaves you feeling like, well, I prepared, I got all ready. 
And right. now you're not even going to accept my gift of hospitality to you. And have you had people do that to you when it comes to staying with you or just like, I'm not coming to dinner after all? We've had, I mean, everybody's had friends who not don't show up for coming to dinner. Yeah. But we've also had, as running a bed and breakfast, we've had a number of people who will even call the same day, hey, I'm two hours away, I'm going to make a reservation with you, and then two hours later, they you never see them. <gasps> and they're total strangers, right? So you right. don't, you know, you can't, like you never meet them and you never see them again and you never hear from them again. Right. <gasps> That's terrible. That's terrible. Well, because that has, I mean, this is a whole other thing, you know, in, in terms of running your business, that has business implications for you. Generally, right? that's when we charge a cancellation fee. Oh, okay. There is that beautiful safety net called a cancellation fee. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little easier to deal with when I can charge you your full fee anyway and not have to do anything else. But if, if you're my friend or my relative and I was all prepped and ready for something and went to all the work to keep, get my house clean and Got, the kids got all excited, mm -hmm. and then at the last minute, <gasps> poof, it goes away. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the most damaging things to, like, those family relationships. If only we could charge the friends and family yeah. cancellation fee. That would be a exactly. fabulous thing. Okay, so, exactly. Jody, that's a business idea for you, right? <laughs> friends and family cancel it. You could, it could take the nation by storm, I think. And you can introduce Well, I have to say, we can't charge our friends and family cancellation fees, but there is uh, someone who was in a social circle who would constantly say they were coming and not show up, or they would say that they're not coming and they would show up, and they moved farther down on my guest invite list. Yeah, of course. Because it was just too unpredictable, and it, wasn't, it was putting a strain on the friendship. And so I reprioritize that friendship, which you're allowed to do with friends, not so much with family. Yeah. Now, so Megan, I want to ask you, in thinking about your business, I mean, really what we're talking about today, because this is the, you know, the realm that most of us live in is, you know, guests in your personal life, right? Not in mm -hmm. a business. But in running a bed and breakfast, do you feel like you have learned things about how to be a, a better host in, as a civilian? Yes. You do it all the time. You get practice. And is it, it – I'm, I'm not to put you on the spot, but are there things that – I mean, is there anything you can think of off the top of your head that you now do differently because you have done this professionally and you see that X is a really great thing to do for guests in your personal um, life? Yes. Um, I think the biggest one is an attitude. It's realizing that my attitude is contagious. Yeah. Um, and as a host, I sort of have all the power in the relationship. Right, you're in my space in my house, so for you to feel comfortable, I have to be comfortable with you being here. Mm -hmm. And if something's, you know, if you, if the guest is being inconsiderate, I have a lot of power and authority to alter that guest's behavior. Right, like it's very easy for me as the host to tell my guest, please don't smoke in my house. Right, like right. So do you think? So this is an interesting part of this whole thing because. For example, I have this friend, Lisa, whose house, it almost makes me cry when I go to Lisa's house because it's so clean. First of all, she has a dog that doesn't shed, unlike my dog, who sets, like, world-shedding records. <laughs> and she, her kids are, are 
out of the house in college. So, like, there's no messy kid stuff. Anyway, sorry, this is not a podcast about Lisa, although Lisa obviously looms large in my life because her house is so clean. Anyway, Lisa has this basket by her door where people, I think, are encouraged to put their shoes by her front door. And Lisa never says, please take your shoes off. She kind of waits for you to see that she's got no shoes on when you come in and see the basket. But so so this is a question to both of you. But Jody, why don't you take this one first? If like I I think I could say to somebody, please don't smoke in my house, because that is like such a major infraction in this day and age. I feel like nobody smokes indoors anymore, you know, in this country. But something like please take your shoes off. I don't know if I would feel comfortable saying to someone, please take your shoes off. So what's going on is because I actually have a basket of slippers next to my door. So when (gasps) guests arrive. Wait, are you Lisa secretly? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Your house is probably really clean. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I do have slippers on my door, and I do have a dog that doesn't shed. But we can discuss Lisa and I at at some other point. (laughs) So what happens is when guests come in the door, I take their coats. I welcome them. And then I say it because I'm not a shoe person. I, I will be wearing slippers. If you'd like to take off your shoes and put on slippers, there's some here for you. But if you're more comfortable in your shoes, feel free to leave them on because sometimes people's outfits include their shoes. So for me to ruin their outfit as they're coming in the door is not fair. And if I have white carpets, I need to roll them up or I need to be able to suck it up and have them cleaned after the guests leave. My guests' feelings are more important than my carpets and my floors. Right, which is a a very good approach to take. But do you – so when you say, oh, you know, if you want to take your shoes off, great, and here's slippers. But if you don't, that's fine, too. What percentage of people take their shoes off, would you say? It's actually about 50-50 unless, because I live in the Northeast, unless it's a winter snowstorm. When it's a winter snowstorm, almost everybody either takes off their shoes or has brought their own slippers. (gasps) But if it's a regular day, it's about a 50-50 ratio. Wait, people bring slippers to your house? Oh, yes. We had eight feet of snow last year, and people, in order, we were all going stir-crazy. We were hosting lots of parties and wine tastings and things like that. And so we'd say, come on over, bring your slippers. Oh, and so people you would tell come them. And, you know, snow pants and then change into their slippers as they walked in the door. All right, so you have prompted them kind of to bring their slippers. They, don't, they didn't yeah. think of that on their own. Right. And if it's something fancy, so let's say my husband and I are having an anniversary party and it's a cocktail party. Well, then, of course, not only am I going to suffer through and put on my own shoes, but I'm going to expect that my guests are going to be wearing their shoes and not putting on slippers. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the type of gathering. But it's up to the host, just like what Megan was saying, it's up to the host to set the tone through their attitude, through their words and their behaviors to guide the guests. Guests are confused when they come to somebody else's house. People have different house rules, and so it's up to the host to really provide some guidance around that. Okay, Megan, how do you feel about that? Do you think, and and if the, do you think that a host needs to provide guidance that's really overt, or is there yes. a way you do? Okay, you can't blunt subtly, with love. Blunt no, with love. Blunt with okay. love. So because you can't, there's no blunt. There's no, there's no subtle way to say please take off your shoes. Or in our case, we're in the South yeah. and it's warm and balmy outside today and we've all been barefoot. Don't worry about taking your shoes off. We just like to be barefoot, right? Like you have to just tell people what to expect in your home so that they feel comfortable with it. 
Oh, I, I think I need to work on that, I guess. Okay, so we need to take a little break. I'm going to think about how to be blunt with love. And in a minute, we're going to talk about whether the customer is always right when it comes to guests. Today's show is brought to you by The Message, an original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, we're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now, uh, sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing. But you know, I'm not gonna mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. Okay, so Megan and Jody, you know, you've heard, you hear in the customer service industry, and we both, or we all three in, in some respects kind of work in customer service, that the customer's always right, right? So do you feel like, we, you know, we've talked about how guests need guidance from you as a host. Is there any, um, what, if, what if your way of living or conducting your daily life or loading the dishwasher or wearing shoes inside or not, doesn't jibe with the way they live and they don't want to do things your way. Like, is the customer right? Or do you have to become firmer in your blunt with loveness? I guess I, it strikes me that why do you have these people in your home? Ah! <laughs> right? Maybe you you're related probably, to them. You probably have this person in your home because you want them there, right? right? At some level, even if it's your mother-in-law, she's annoying. You want her there. So part of your job as a host isn't to cater to their pride, but it is to cater to their comfort and to the comfort of everybody who's gathered there. So sometimes you have to be blunt with love and correct people, but hopefully that's only very rarely in like in the extreme circumstance. Mm -hmm. And mostly it seems like you just want to, I don't know, help provide a happy, safe container. So you're fir firm enough that the children aren't jumping on the couch and breaking the chandelier, mm -hmm. but you're going to not worry about somebody who keeps their non-muddy shoes on on your white carpet. Right. What do you think, I have Jen? to agree. It really depends on, on the circumstance, and you have to decide as the host what you're willing to let go during the process and what things really are a safety or a danger or an absolute. And mm -hmm. being a hostess and being a good hostess means having a little flexibility. So if you usually like everyone to put their coat away and to make their bed first thing in the morning, you might not get that out of your guests. Mm -hmm. You might to go up to their room and say, when you come down to breakfast, you must make your bed first especially if it's your mother-in-law, mm -hmm. that's not going to go over well. You're just going to have to live with the fact that the guest room is a little bit messy and maybe shut the door as you go down for breakfast. Yeah. If it's something that they're throwing a football in the house and are going to hurt somebody or, you know, kids are jumping off the back wall and going to break a leg, then you want to say something. There was an item we published in Real Simple. This was now years ago that I've never forgotten because it was such a good 
corrective in terms of being a gracious, a gracious host. It was a little, it was a, just a little story about a, a girl who'd gone to, you know, I don't know, some relative's house and spilled some oily salad dressing or something on the arm of a chair and it wouldn't come out. And she was very distraught and, you know, thought she'd ruined the fabric. And the relative was an older woman and she kind of patted her on the arm and said, oh, don't worry, because now whenever I see that spot, I'll think of you. But said it in like a really sweet way. And so shortly after we published that, my sister was visiting with her kind of hyper dog, who P.S. also sheds, clearly a family problem. And her dog jumped up on or kind of put his front paws on this wooden counter we have um, kind of near where you walk in our front door and put a huge scratch in this counter. And I was like, oh, and I was so annoyed about it. Uh, and then I remembered this thing, and and now when I see that scratch, which is you know kind of faded over time, I think about that Christmas when Bo, the crazy dog, jumped up. You know when the house was full of my relatives who I love, and Bo put the big scratch in the counter. And but it was sort of a nice way to reframe the way you think of 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 something spilling or breaking or malfunctioning in a way that's permanent, um, trying to make a good thing out of it. Absolutely. The, the difference between comedy and tragedy is time. So something that seems tragic at the moment, like a giant scratch in your furniture, that over time it brings back fond memories and makes you smile. And no matter what happens, the person, the human being, is always more important than the object. And as a host, if you can remember that, remember that the human being's feelings are more important than whatever inanimate object has been scratched or stained or ruined, you're going to be a very good host going forward. Mm. And the same thing goes for failures as a host. Mm. Our family's favorite story is the story of the meat pineapple, <laughs> which I won't tell the whole story, but essentially we served a dessert that we thought would be wonderful and it pineapple with cream stuff on top cooked in the grill tasted exactly like the hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> and I might not remember that dinner party except for the meat pineapple. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, okay. So and got... back to what Megan was saying before is that the host's attitude. So if the person who was serving the the meat pineapple had burst into tears or gone hysterical right. into the kitchen, all the guests would have been uncomfortable and nervous. But if the host takes on a gracious attitude and is able to laugh it off, it keeps the party moving along. Yeah. Okay. And so... it helped that our guests were incredibly gracious, and a couple of them actually ate their entire serving of meat pineapple before <laughs> any of us touched it and realized that it was. Ah. Anus. I think I would eat a meat pineapple. That doesn't sound so terrible, but yeah, maybe you do just have really, really, really considerate friends. We're in the South. Yeah. Okay, so I've got two last questions for you guys. The first one is, and Megan, why don't you take this one first because you, you know, and bring your professional life into this too. What do you think is the most inconsiderate thing or the most common inconsiderate behavior people exhibit when they are guests, either overnight guests or dinner guests or whatever? I think there's two. We thought about this a lot. One of them is not showing up into the house, like feeling uncomfortable and so kind of hiding. Like if you're a guest for a period of time, say a week, mm -hmm. and you don't come out for meals or you don't come out when the, when the family's kind of out in the living room because you feel so uncomfortable being there. Yeah. That's really awkward. And there's almost nothing as a host you can do about that. 
And then the other one is being nervous about your children. Oh, and, really? And over-disciplining them, right? But what like, if your children are wild? So it's, it's, <laughs> it's one thing if your children are actually being really, really bad. I have three, I understand. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to discipline your children. But if you're disciplining your children majorly over a minor infraction that I doesn't really bother me, yeah, I feel guilty that your kids are getting in trouble for nothing because right. you're embarrassed about your kids' behavior. Let, let me as a host take some responsibility right. or authority. Or decide if it matters. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. All right, Jody, what do you think? Most common inconsiderate guest behavior. I have to agree with the two of those, and I will add on the opposite, which is a guest that expects you to be or tour guide and to entertain them from dawn until dusk. Yeah. When you're coming to somebody's house, yes, there might be great sightseeing, there might be fabulous museums, but you can't expect the host, in addition to hosting you, to spend 24-7 with you. So if you're a guest, figure out as you're arriving, either a little bit before or right after you arrive, what time you're spending together and what time you will give to the host to allow them to do the things that they need to do. Mm -hmm. So take an afternoon and go into the city by yourself or go upstairs and tell the host, I'm going upstairs to read and to take a nap for the next two hours so that the host has a little bit of a break, especially if you're going to be there for a number of days on running. Yeah, that's a really good one. And I like the thought of kind of setting expectations in advance. Okay. Yeah, you too. So last question, Jody. If you I'm thinking about your person who accidentally on purpose showed up two days early at the train station at eleven o'clock at night. What if you've done something, if you've been a guest and you feel like you were a bad guest, is there any way after the fact to make up for it? Jody, why don't you take this Absolutely. First? Yes. One of the things that you can do is to apologize sincerely and profusely, but shortly. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go on and on. And then do something nice. So cook the host a meal in their home, or if they don't want you in their kitchen, take them out for dinner. Or if you realize after you've left that you were a little bit more than a handful, send a note and a package or some flowers or a gift from your hometown, a little thoughtful thank you gift or a bread and butter thank you note mm -hmm. can go a long way to making sure that relationship stays on the positive side. Okay, Megan, what do you think? I can't add anything to that. <laughs> Apologize yeah. and do it as quickly as you can and as sincerely as you can. And if it's your relative, give them a hug. <laughs> yeah. Invite them to your house next. Well, yeah, and that's a good idea too. And that's probably... And that's good for you because then you get to be the guest and take all the wisdom that you've learned from this podcast to be the best guest with their shoes off as possible. <laughs> okay, so that's all we have time for today. We have heard excellent, excellent guesting tips from Jody R.R. Smith, who is the founder of Manor Smith Etiquette Consulting in Boston, and Megan Brightwell from Anniston, Alabama, owner of the Parker House Bed and Breakfast. Thank you so much, Jody and Megan, for being here with me today. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Us. Happy holidays. Oh, same to you. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Our engineer is Zach Dinerstein. And I get lots of help on this podcast from the indefatigable Caitlin Peary at Real Simple. Please let us know what you think of this show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple. 
or you can tweet ideas for this podcast to me at kvanogtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com. And of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Jody R.R. R. Smith and Megan Brightwell, I'm Kristen Van Ochtrop. Thanks for joining us.